That first one is on Proclaim on our screen. On the title yeah. on the title screen. Yeah. On, our, on, our, on our screen. On our screen. It's probably the name of the slide. First Lord Jesus is there. Okay, that's right. And then I give you my M. It's probably the name of the slide, I guess. But that's right, music, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's all right. That. All right. If you have your Bibles, you turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter six. Exodus chapter six. This is uh, our final uh, sermon in the series, Moses. God's servant. We're going to be talking about that we serve a God that will do what he says. I pray that God's spoken to you through this sermon, through these series of sermons, uh, that we've been looking at Moses to see how God wants our service to be. How God prepares us for service. How God doesn't focus on our faults. What God has called us to do. How to serve God in a way that is pleasing to Him. And what to do when it seems that God is letting things get worse. But today we will look at something very important. And if we are going to serve God, we must hold on in faith that God will do exactly what He says He'll do. Last Sunday we saw Moses go to God's people. uh, Because instead of freeing them... Uh, freeing the people, God was letting things get worse. Pharaoh got upset. Pharaoh was putting more burden on them, making them work, do twice the work, create the same amount of bricks. We saw that. And they were upset. And in Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evilly entreated these people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name... He hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Moses needs to understand uh, that no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, we can always put our trust in God. Because God will do exactly what he says. So let's read Exodus chapter 6, starting with verse 1 through 9. And the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob by the same name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, uh, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people. 
and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in into the land uh, concerning the which I, swear, I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish in spirit and for cruel bondage. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the examples you give us in your word of how people were sold out to you, who served you. Father, though they made mistakes and though they weren't perfect, we see an example of what you expect from us to be your servants. And Father, the most important thing we need to understand is that you do exactly what you say you're going to do. And while, Father, we have your word, it's not just a guide, it's not just a way to live our lives, it's not just a way to examine ourselves, but it's also to let us know that you're going to do exactly what it says. And we can trust and believe in that through faith. Even if things get worse, even if it doesn't seem like you're moving, behind the scenes you're moving. And we need to trust and believe in you. And Father, as your people help us to have that faith, that understanding, knowing that we belong to you, we serve you, and you're working in our lives. Father, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here we see the Lord answers uh, the cries of the people by revealing himself to Moses. And this is so important. We can't serve God by what, God by what we see. We serve him because we know who he is. And so he's going to show Moses here exactly who he is. First, he, said, he shows him that he's the sovereign God. Look at verse 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, now shall thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. We serve a sovereign God, a God who has all the power. And God answers Moses here. From despair at the end of chapter 5 to now great comfort in knowing that God is aware of the suffering and has the answers. God knows our suffering. We cry out to God when we have problems and, and, and we're suffering with things and we're worried about things. We see how the, the world is going. We see the evil in the world. And we see the struggles that people have. And, and, and we know that God knows this. God spoke to Moses to bring comfort, but he still didn't have God's full revelation. Moses could only see part of what God was saying he was going to do. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40 tells us that and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. We have to understand the, the, the position the people are in. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob received the promise of a land that they were going to get. They never saw that land. They never seen it come to fulfillment. Moses is understanding that he's going to take them to a land but he will not fully understand because he won't get to be into the land. They can only trust God and what God says he's going to do. We should have more faith because we have God's word to see what he did. That he did fulfill the promises. That they did get the land. That every promise that God has ever made, every covenant he's ever had, he's kept. And this tells us that we have even more reasons for faith. 
more reasons to hold on than Moses did. Moses could only see the promised land. He had God's promise and his faith, and this was his comfort. It should be our comfort too. How much more comfort does God bring us when we see that Jesus Christ has come? That Jesus Christ died on the cross. That he was God and man. And he died for the sins of the world. And that through him and a relationship with him, we can have eternal life. We receive a better view of the sovereignty of God. Moses wrote the first ten books of the Bible, and that's all he had. We have all 66 to look at. To know that God is who God says he is. And that he will do what he promises. We see the promises that the Lord made to Moses. And we know that... These are for our benefit. So that when we face trials, when we see things going worse in our life, when we're praying and things doesn't seem to get any better, we can still hold on to the faith in God because God will bring about what he says we will. We can't cry that God will not answer us when we hold his promises in our hand. God proved his love to us through the sacrifice of his own son. The Lord begins this with, you shall see. Remember, Moses complained that God had done evil to the people that, uh, by allowing Pharaoh to punish them. And God didn't answer his questions. He just said, now you'll see. Moses complained that God didn't bring action. Well, now he will show them some action. With great wrath he, uh, that he was about to bring upon Egypt, he'll have Pharaoh not just let the people go, but Pharaoh will kick them out of his land. God's hand is definitely more powerful than Pharaoh. Remember, the Lord commanded Moses to only request a temporary leave. He said, let the people go three days in the wilderness to worship their God. That's all he wanted. Pharaoh said, no, go back to work. The Lord made it easy for Pharaoh to grant that request. They only asked for three days away. So that now, when the people leave, it will bring more glory to God. In our service is to bring glory to God. The Lord didn't uh, want to rip Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh. He wanted Pharaoh to be completely broken down. Not only will Pharaoh obey God, but he will accomplish God's will. I think sometimes we look around at the evil of this world and we can't understand. We can't, we can't figure out why God's letting this happen. But sometimes we have to realize that the evil of this world God didn't create, but God will use it to fulfill his purposes. Pharaoh claimed to be the God, uh, but there is only one true God. And the Lord would magnify his own sovereignty by using Pharaoh as an instrument to get the people out of Egypt. God uses all for his glory. It's like when uh, Joseph was sold into slavery, and he ended up in prison. And God just, he said, whatever the God wants, I'll do. And then he ends up being second in command over all of Egypt. And he, he saves the people from a great famine. And what does he tell his brothers? In Genesis 50, 20, he says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. He said, You brought evil upon me, but God used it for good. So all the evils brought upon us in this day, God can use it for his glory, for his good. We should take great comfort in that. Because God doesn't create evil. But evil cannot escape his sovereign will. Ephesians 3.11 says, According to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Here Paul tells us that the gospel is God's eternal purpose. This includes, includes creation, the fall, and redemption. Satan's rebellion and mankind's descent into sin didn't catch our Creator by surprise. And Ephesians 3, 10, 9 and 10 says, And to, all, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath, made, hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, to the intent that now and to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I'll tell you what, it's scary to think that God took his wisdom of the, of, of, of the gospel, the knowledge of knowing who Christ is, and gave it to the church. It's the church who brings to light God's sovereign plan of redemption in Christ Jesus. We serve a sovereign God. I know I talk a lot about my Sunday school class, but we're in Revelations, and we're in chapter 7. Six seals have been broken. And then he holds back. God sends four angels to hold back the winds of uh, wrath, the winds of destruction, to give time for 144,000 Jewish uh, witnesses to be sealed. Because they're going to go during the tribulation time. They're going to go during the great tribulation, and they're going to witness the people, and many people come to know, going to come to know Christ. The Bible tells us in chapter 7 that it would be a multitude that you can't even count. And they, they did that because why? Because the seeds had already been planted. Church, we are planting the seeds so that when we're gone in the rapture, that the, these witnesses can come and reap a great harvest for God because they know, because they've been told who Jesus is. Man, we have a great responsibility, don't we? To serve God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, to make sure that we're planting all the seeds we can. Because one day it'll be too late. But we also see here that we serve a faithful God. Look at verse 2. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. The Lord continues to answer Moses and to give the most important statement in the whole book of Exodus. He says, I am the Lord. And the Lord makes this declaration four times in verses 2 through 8. And this is for Moses, but it's also to answer Pharaoh's question. When Pharaoh asks, who's the Lord? The Lord told Moses at the burning bush, he said, I am. And now he gives Moses a deeper revelation of who he is. That he is the Lord. There is no other. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, And I appeared unto Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah, I was, not, was I not known to them? God reminds Moses that he's the same God who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God would be known as Jehovah. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they knew that name, but they didn't know God by that manner. They knew him as the Lord Almighty who meets their needs. But now God wants Moses to see him as Jehovah, a God who does what he promises, a God perfecting what he has begun and finishing his own work. Jehovah, our God, completes what he starts. God promised Abraham and his descendants would inherit the land. Now he's about to fulfill that promise. Jehovah is used to show God is faithful to start, to finish what he started. 
in creation. If you can look back in Genesis, all through chapter 1 and part of chapter 2, you see that God created the heavens and the earth. That God moved on the face of the water. That God said, let there be light. That God said, and God made. And then God created man in his own image. God, God, God did this. But then when you get down to chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 4, it changes a little bit. He says, these are the generations of heaven and earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. It goes from God Almighty, God, 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 down to the Lord God, which is Jehovah, who finishes creation. He finishes what he starts. That's what we hold on to. If you accept Christ as your Savior, you're not wondering what's going to happen to you. You're not trying to figure out whether or not you're going to go to heaven. You're not making a list and saying, am I good enough to go? You're not doing that. You're, you're focused on the promise that Jehovah is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. If you're saved, you're saved. He'll finish. He'll take you to heaven. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob trusted that God would one day in the, in the future fulfill the promises. But Moses will see Jehovah finish his own work. His promise to take the people to Canaan. Look at verse 4. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they lived most of their life in the promised land, in Canaan. But they were foreigners there. They were strangers in the land. Now Moses sees what God is faithful to his promise. We must believe that God is faithful. We must believe that Jesus will one day return for his church and take us home. Jehovah is our faithful God. Look at verse 5. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. The Lord does not forget his covenant. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew God, but they never witnessed his work of salvation. They only received it by promise. And this is the difference. Abraham knew God as a promise maker. Moses comes to know God as a promise keeper. And in Exodus, God is demonstrating the saving power behind the name Jehovah. He is the Lord of their salvation. He's the Lord of our salvation. And we must see this. It's not that God might save us. It's seeing that God is actively doing so now. I tell my kids all the time, I said, you're not waiting for eternal life. You have eternal life now. You're waiting to transition from this life to the next, but you're eternally alive right now. We praise God not that he might do something in our life. We praise God that he has done something in our life. The Bible says you're a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You're alive now. God's faithfulness is being shown here to Israel. And we are also shown God's faithfulness through the work of Jesus Christ. Part of God's covenant with Abraham was that all nations of the world would be blessed through him. The fulfillment of that promise came through Abraham's descendants, Jesus Christ. Psalms uh, 37, 39 says, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the, the promise that he made to Abraham. And we were given a new covenant, established in the blood of Christ, and shed for the sins of the world. 
We serve a faithful God who keeps his covenants. Finally, we also serve a gracious God. Look at verse 6 through 8. It says, Therefore, uh, saying to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out of under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in, into the land concerning the which I have did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it to you for inheritance, and I am the Lord. In these verses here, uh, we see seven I wills that God says. Seven I will declarations made by the Lord. Promises that will soon be fulfilled. The Lord says, I will bring you out from under your burdens. I will rid you out of your bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. I will take you for my people. I will be to you a God. I will bring you into the land. I will give it to you for a heritage. And what a wonderful God we serve. He said, I'm just not going to let you go from your bondage and send you out on your way. He said, I got some plan for you all. I got a land I'm going to take you to. I'm going to be your God. You've been spent 400 years and I haven't spoken to you. You haven't spoken to me. But I've heard your cries and now I'm here. And I'm letting you know that I am your Jehovah. I am saving you. And you're going to be my people. And I am your God. And that relationship could have been a special thing if they didn't keep turning away from God. But look, compared to what we have in Christ. He brought us up. Psalms 30, uh, 30 verse 3 says... O Lord, Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. He brought us up out of, out of uh, death sins to give us eternal life. He delivered us from our slavery. Uh, Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We're no longer tied to sin. We're no longer bound to sin against God. He's, he's liberated us from that. We get a picture of his redemption. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And we're given a picture of his great, the great relationship we have with God. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Through our faith in Jesus, we're called the child of God. And we're no longer bound to this earth. We, we have a new home. 1 Peter 1.4 says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that faith not away, reserved in heaven for you. The wonderful grace of God. It takes away what we deserve and gives us what we can never get on our own. Here we see the working of God to save us. Deliverance. <coughs> redemption. And communion with God. And we must have faith in God's grace. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed till the day of redemption. Nothing can break that seal. 
And the most beautiful part of verse 7 here, that I read the children says, You shall know that I am the Lord your God. We see the heart of God, that he wants them to know that he's their God, personally. You have a personal relationship with the Almighty, the creator of the world, the creator of everything. It's his heart. God saved his people so that they may know him. And this is the great purpose of salvation, so that we can fully see the grace of God. Knowing God is personal. Sometimes I wonder, church, how personal we are with him. He's so personal with us. With his word says, cry, come unto me, I'll be the heavy labor and I'll give you rest. He says, he says I am here. Uh, come and seek me. He says, knock, seek, come. But do we pray like we should? Knowing that he has all the answers. Knowing that all that he gives us. And knowing the relationship he wants to have with us. You know, his word is just him talking to us, but prayers is when we go talk to him. Grace is his invitation to come. And we're invited to know God. John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. When we experience grace, our faith can grow. Why do we have faith? Why do we pray? Uh, why do we serve God? Because we know we serve the one true God who is faithful, who is sovereign, who is gracious. So God told, tells Moses this. He, he explains to him exactly what's about to happen. He tells him, go, tell the children of Israel. In verse 9, we see that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. They, they, Moses said, God's going to set you free. Moses goes to Pharaoh, things get worse, and the children turn on God. They're angry now. They won't hearken to God. Why? They couldn't see God because of their situation. We must remember that our situations change. It goes from good to bad to worse, or, or it changes daily, it seems like. But the character of God never changes. As our world gets worse, and the Bible says there will be a falling away. And Father, church, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that falling away where we don't pray and we don't have faith in God and, and we lack service and we're not serving Him because things are going bad for us and we can't see no good. Well, this is full of good. Read this. Look at the end. See that God wins. Understand your place in His relationship that He wants you to know that I'm not doing anything you don't understand. I told you things would get worse. I told you they'd hate you, hate you because of me. I've warned you of all this stuff. But I said you can trust me. And God wants us to put our faith and trust in Him. And that's why we need to be praying more. We need to have more faith. We need to have more service of God. We need to be doing more things that God wants us to do. Why? Because time is short. There'll come a time when the church is out of here. 
Are we planting enough seeds to get them through the tribulation? That they can come to know God before it's too late. Church, we have a lot of work to do. Do we have the faith to do it? Every head bow, every eye closed. Listen, I understand that this world is hard. Many things happen in this life that we don't understand. And it is easy for us to look at situations and look at things and say, why is God not doing anything? But I'm telling you right now, it's a trick of Satan to get you to doubt your God. Because we serve a loving, gracious God who is faithful to his people, who is faithful to the promises he gives, who will take care of the things he needs to take care of, who will lead us to a place uh, where he can wipe away all the tears, take away all the pain and all the struggles. And all he asks is that we live faithful, serving him with all of our heart. Church, we need to pray more. We need to trust more in God. We need to serve him better. We need to listen to him more as he speaks to us. It's not enough to just get the grace of God. We have to live that grace so that people will know who our God truly is. So if today, if you're there at your seat and you're not exactly where God wants you to be, if you're not praying the way you should, if you're not serving the way you should, if you're not reading your Bible the way you should, Now's the time to do so. God says it's never too late to make things right. To be in right standing with Him. Salvation is secure. But are we working for Him? Do we see the loss of someone who needs to know Jesus Christ? Are we broken hearted? And so many people are, are, are running, running away from God, running straight to hell. Are we, are we grieving? upset that we have salvation but they don't. We don't deserve it. God gave it to us so he wants to give it to everyone. A lot of work to be done in church and I've been thinking against we get on our knees and humble ourselves before God and cry out to him to move us. To move our hearts into a place to bring more service and more joy to him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you in prayer, Father, we uh, lift up your name, Father. We ask now, Lord, that you break our spirit. Take away the pride. Help us to realize that we can't face nothing without you. Help us to understand that you have all the answers. Help us to understand that this mission field is full of people that need to hear about Jesus Christ. And Father, a lot of them, they don't hear from us. They'll not hear it.
Father, you can touch our hearts. You put a burden on our heart for something, Father, and we pray. Ask now, Father, that you burden your people to be the servants that we need to be. The burden, Father, that we see that you're faithful, that you're gracious. Father, we love you. Thank you. Of course, in Jesus' precious name we pray.